You're listening to the Message Talk Show, where your message matters. We interview purpose-driven, mission-centered speakers, authors, content creators, educators, passionate about what they do. Because passion brings change when you tell your story. Now put your hands together and welcome your host, Alex Gordon. The Message Talk Show is back, back again, back. Good morning, folks. Good morning. It's that day. It's that morning. It is 11 o'clock on a Thursday morning. Tell me, what are you doing on Thursday morning, 11 o'clock? What are you doing on Thursday morning? You're watching the Message Talk Show. Yes, the Message Talk Show. It's the only thing that you do at 11 o'clock on a Thursday morning while having your coffee, while having your breakfast. So... I asked you to call your friends. So did you do that? Okay. You call your enemies? Yeah, you call everybody, right? Oh, tune in. Oh, today we have a very special show today. You know, sometimes you, you, you meet people across the world. You meet people from every walk of life. And nothing happens by accident. Hey, nothing happens by accident. And when you meet some people and you think, wow, this is a great person. And then you meet the powerhouse behind the person as well. You think, wow, this is the dynamic team. Well, today I have in-house today two very special people, two of the most qualified people that are going to be sharing with us today about what the, the major topic today. So let me first introduce to you Dr. Carissa Barry-Pope. And Hello, Dr. how are you? Dr. Carissa, introduce yourself. Hi, thank you for the intro. Um, I'm Dr. Carissa Barry Pope. I'm an educator here now in the um, UAE and co-founder of Ed Guru. Um, I was in the U.S. as an educator in various capacities, from teacher to principal to curriculum coordinator and gifted education coordinator. Um, when we moved to the UAE several years ago, I stepped down from the administrative role and I became a teacher. I went back into the classroom, which I thoroughly enjoyed. So um, I am a lifelong educator and a lifelong learner. I love learning and I love to teach. And I'm also the better half of <laughs> this dynamic duo. <laughs> yes, Alex said. Uh, but I am the wife of um, Dr. Rob Pope. Wow. Notice how you said the better half. You see how much he's laughing now, you know? He's laughing, you know? <laughs> he's not going to say a word. He's going to agree with him. The... <laughs> That's right. Yes. He makes me the yes. better person. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. It's great. I agree. I agree with everything she says. <laughs> it's great to have met you this morning and uh, to, to know that you're such a dynamic team that's working from the UAE. And I'm, I'm just yeah. going to ask you one question before you, before you dash off. Why the UAE? Why did you move to the UAE? 
Um, honestly, we were looking to move. Um, as educators, we were looking for a new experience and we researched different co uh, countries because we actually thought, okay, if we move to another state, you know, it's, it's more of the same. We wanted to learn and expand our horizons. And also we wanted to share what we know with other people. So as we researched different co um, countries, we actually narrowed it down to a few. And one of our friends, one of our um, family friends was here in Abu Dhabi. And I talked with her and by the time we got off the phone, four hours had passed and we were sold on the UAE. And we've been here since 2013. That's amazing. It's so simple to bring change. One telephone conversation and you were One. sold and you made yes. it happen. Yes. Change doesn't have to be very difficult then. Uh, say again? Change does not have to be very difficult. Is it difficult? Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. Everything around us is changing, so it would behoove us to change along with it. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Carissa. Um, Thank you. Uh, so, Dr. Roy, how are you today, sir? How are you keeping? I am wonderful. I'm wonderful. Excited to be on your show today. Thank you for having us. Excited to be on the show. Well, you, you are you are more excited because your wife is by your side. Yes, your your co your CEO. That's right, your CEO, the chief executive yes. officer, is by your side. So you're excited. That's good. That's good. Yes, my so, my, my better half. Yes, your better half. Well, that's good. So, you know, we, we've been talking about change for the past, for the past, what, six, six to nine months now, six to eight months, we've been talking about change. We've been talking about all the issues that we've been facing in the pandemic, the challenges, and we're, we're at that point where people, people want something more. People are looking for something else. People, I mean, even the, the destruction of the statue in Bristol, that, that statue, that slave, the guy who drove the, the, I forgot what his name was, but even that was, is a culmination of how people are feeling about change. But change just can't happen just like that. Change is methodical. Change has to be a process. Now, that's what I got from you the last time, Dr. Dr. Roy Pope, that you think change has to be modeled in some sort, shape or form. Why is that? Um, because the only way that you can learn and the best way you can learn is by um, adopting different skills is by looking at people, modeling them. And when you look at the sphere of learning, the student is in the center. And there are a lot of um, planets or things obviously that are revolving around the students. You have the parents, the teachers, you have the administrative team, you have the political aspect of it. So we have to model all, all those components have to model uh, the best behaviors because we want that to flood into the students. The students are like computers that we're loading with code, we're programming. Um, we're, we're putting that problem thinking and critical thinking into them um, and giving them the, build, the ability to achieve or exhibit a higher level of creativity. So that's why it's really important that we have to model what we, we have to, we have to walk the walk. So, I jumped in then. One of the one things I, I forgot to do was to, because um, I looked at your platform and I was just amazed at your platform, edguru.co. So, thank you. What is what is edguru.co about? I, I just I wanted to tap into that. Edguru.co is about change. We wanted to create a platform where people of different languages, 
could come to the platform and download resources. So if you spoke Hindi, if you spoke Arabic, English, French, if we had a large enough market, then we're able to uh, generate resources toward the market because with our, um, with me having over 27 years and my wife having over 26 years of experience, um, we know we've dealt with a lot of different experiences in the educational arena. There's nothing that, um, there's nothing uh, that would kind of catch us off guard. We kind of, we kind of uh, used to the systems and trying to get things done. So we wanted to put an effective platform in place that has that's research driven, that's relevant, that makes that adds value to teachers and to administrators, and it just makes people better. Makes people better. So who did, who did you say your target audience was? Um, we started out with the English market, so any, any countries that speak English. But now we've already started loading uh, resources on the platform in Arabic. And we're looking at tapping the Indian market. Um, we're looking at seeing where can we go next. Um, if, is it France? Is it Spain? Uh, where, where's the need? Wow. We're doing these marketing campaigns, and we're going to keep putting it out here. We're saying that, hey, we know education. Between us, we've been able to... Uh, successfully make a number of schools better. So we've taken all of those years of knowledge and we've poured them into the design of this platform and to the effectiveness of the resources. And I can guarantee you there's nothing out there um, that's like it, that's as effective and better. There's nothing. Wow, we guarantee that's you. That's amazing. That is amazing. So ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen, you are, you are listening to us from the Message Talk Show. I don't know where you're coming in from, but we're with Dr. Roy Pork today talking about how to bring systemic change in our education system. Now, this gentleman and his other half and his CEO are change makers. Now, they're global entrepreneurs. They have a, a platform called edguru.co, which they're transporting across the world to bring change to the educational system. So, Dr. Pope. Why do you believe, no, what is it about the education system that's failing? What is, it, what is it about it that's failing? Well, when you look at the educational system, you look at the different um, chess pieces that are on the board, and we wanted to address each one. Just focusing on the principles, starting with them. The first thing is principals have to feel comfortable saying, I don't know. They have to admit, they just don't know. Socrates, uh, a quote from Socrates stated that wisdom is an admitting you know nothing. You have to feel comfortable with putting that, lowering the defenses, and putting yourself out there. Because it's human nature. If you even look at a lot of, um, let's say, political uh, people that are running for political offices, when they're asked questions, they may not know the answer. But you, you, you would rarely hear somebody say, I don't know. That's called, that's connected to intellectual humility. We need people to increase the level of intellectual humility to, and then to be comfortable in saying that I don't know if you're in the school leadership. And then from there, from the principal standpoint, then it goes to the next step. When you admit you or you feel comfortable saying that you don't know, then you can pull people in around you and build a committee. Um, um, and that's both of our leadership styles. You know, we're comfortable in saying, hey, we don't understand or we don't know. And we don't mind reaching out to people asking for help and advice. At, our, at uh, the last school that um, I was at in the US, um, 
I, I felt comfortable pulling veterans, um, lesser experienced, uh, new teachers in and getting advice from everybody. Um, because when you lower that, um, that shield, that protective shield that we, that we instinctively want to put around us, then you're going to, you're going to force people to feel more comfortable with you. And then they're going to bring these ideas to you. So starting with principles, that's the, that's the first thing that we need to look at doing. Let me stop and, you there. Let me stop you there because you just okay, made a point. Okay. That you just made a point. I'm thinking someone's gone through the educational system, they've done three years of university, you know, according to UK standards, and then a few more years to get to the level of principle. And then you're asking someone to say, I don't know. My that that, that is almost like commercial suicide when I for me to stand and admit to people, admit to the guys who are paying me that I don't know. Yeah, 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 it, it is. And you have to feel you have to feel comfortable with yourself and stepping out there. Um, I, I remember, you know, when I, uh, I tell you a funny story, when I did, a, I put a schedule in place and uh, I had kids going all over the place. It was total disarray as I stood in the middle of the hallway and, and my leadership team, as they came down, I just threw my hands up and I said, oops, I made a big mistake. I did not know. Save me. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, <laughs> save me. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is that is brave. That was very brave. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's and that's how we've even approached the building of the Edgar platform. When we start this platform, we knew nothing about server types, um, building a remote company. But um, we just kept receiving um different signs from Lord of Above, one being when we, we talked about or we read about the uh, WordPress, a company that's, that has over 700 employees and is totally remote. And we were saying, well, if they can do it, we can too. But we're going to focus on building something like that for the educational arena. And we approached different people and people were comfortable sharing their knowledge with us. And we started piecing it together. True, we had to put in some work. Uh, we had to piece the puzzles together. Um, the puzzle pieces, but that's our leadership style, and that's how we approach. That's how we approach anything we do. If the current system is tried and tested, and you're asking people to put their hands up and I said and say I don't know, but it's tried and tested. It, it's produced what we have today. Why change it? Well, just because you have a car running with four wheels. Um, <laughs> you, you, and you have two doors on it, doesn't mean that you can't build a better car. So hey. you may see you may see an educational system um, in, in its current state, but you can still fine tune it and you can still make it better. Um, you know, when I we did a presentation, uh, we had a room full of uh, people, uh, leaders in the U.S., and, and we said, okay, our opening line was, um, only 10% of you really know where you're going and the plans that you want to put in place within your educational uh, settings, whether it's a school or district or whatever. And people were kind of like, whoa, taken aback. But I wanted to let them know that's actual, that's actual research and it's sound research. And, but that, that started um, me on my journey of, of becoming comfortable and saying, I don't know, because I'm a research person and I have to really, um, I study it, I read it, I like to apply it and it has to make sense to me. Um, but yeah, we have to, as school leaders, as superintendents, we have to feel comfortable saying that we don't know, because then you're gonna you're gonna have people open up. 
Um, when you look at the educational preparation programs, um, in, when I started, and, um, and, and Carissa can chime in any time for sure, when I started, there were a number of theories that I had to put to the side and I had to build my house from ground up. I had all these pretty measurements and tools to use, but when I got out there and tried to build that house using some of those tools, it, the, the dots were not connecting. The house, it, it, was, it, was, it was shaky. It, it didn't have a solid foundation. So I started reaching out to veteran teachers. Um, when I became a school principal, I started reaching out to veteran principals um, that were more seasoned than myself. Uh, when we became business leaders, we started reaching out to people that, um, that had more experience in the trenches dealing with those particular elements of our business. So yeah, you, you, have to, you have to feel comfortable in saying that you don't. And it, 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 it does take some time. It does take a level of comfort with you to do that. So you just said that 10%, your research showed that 10% of school leaders actually know where they want to take, where they want to lead their schools to in the future. You said only 10%. But then isn't, isn't, isn't doesn't, mo most businesses tend to do a forecast and do a business plan to say, you know, they want funding, they, they, you know, they want money to finance the business and they want to see what the future requirements are. So they'll, they'll put a business plan together. In, within education, isn't that something that's done on a regular basis? A business plan, some sort of forecast yes. you know, where the future is like? Yes, but, but, but let me give you another analogy. So let's say I went to business school and let's say my business school didn't, um, it, it equipped me with some tools and some theories that I didn't need. But I'm true blue to those theories. I'm going to hold true to them because that's what was given to me. I don't, I don't question the status quo or anything like that. So that's going to cause some problems down the road because if I don't know, and I don't know that I haven't been equipped properly, then when I get out there, I'm just doing what I know, what was told to me. But it's like um, an assembly line. When you're looking at um, or going back, not using the analogy, but when you look at the educational system, looking at educational preparation programs, they have to be a lot tighter, in, in my opinion, um, to, to instill, the, to, to give them the right tools to use, um, more appropriate tools to use, a wide array of tools to use. Um, and then they can actually apply that to that projection with the plan. But if I don't, if I don't have those proper tools, then my plan is going to be flawed. I might have some un, I might have some unrealistic goals and expectations on my school projection plan. So it just kind of it just trickles down, and the sad thing is it trickles down to the students, and and that's why that's why we have to stop this, and we have to, and and I'm a firm believer, um, passionately in saying. No matter what your profession is, whether you're a school leader, whether you're an auto mechanic, whether you're um, a world-renowned international podcaster with over seven million viewers, then <laughs> if you go, to... hey, you're quoting me there. You're quoting me there. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you but if you go to people and just continually say, "Hey, I don't know. I'm open to learn," people people. Uh, connect with you and they'll share with you. But that's just one of the things, and that's under the area of being a principal. But the second thing that we need to look at is that, um, and this is what, this is focusing strictly right now on the principals, two or three things. So I want to challenge people that are listening to you now, 
to write these down, go sit down and talk with your principal and kind of gauge them on this and then encourage them to change because change sometimes takes outside forces to kind of push you along the way. But admitting you don't know, then pulling that committee in, that's the, that's the second step. The third step is to make sure that you're meeting the social needs of the child. If, you know, in, last, uh, in your last show, um, you invited us to be a part of it, uh, talk a little bit about Maslow's theory. Well, that applies to student learning also. If a student is hungry or if their home environment um, isn't conducive to learning or it's not safe or, or whatever, then you, you're looking at that bottom foundation. So what are the schools, what is that school leader doing to make sure that the social needs of the students are met. And that's where the counselors come into play. Um, the counselors and the social workers that are already on payroll and they're part of the school system and a part of the building. Um, are the counselors actually going into classrooms? Are they checking on students saying, hey, how are you doing today? Or you know, are they forming those close relationships with them? Or are they just sitting behind the desk and even as a school leader, you can't sit behind a desk. You just wear you some comfortable shoes and you need to be out there in the hallways. You need to be interacting with the teachers and the students. Um, make sure you keep a pulse, uh, your finger on the pulse of what's going on within the, within the educational setting. The next thing that I wanna just throw out for people to think about is look at, is implementing a reading program as a parent, make sure that your child is reading every day, every day. Don't let, a, don't let a week go by where they're not reading a book and then have them write a summary of the book for you. But there's so much research out there on how the reading level is connected, the reading level of a child is connected to their future success. So I just wanna let that set for just a second and say, Parents, school leaders, and parents, go to your, your child's school. Ask the school leader what reading program do they have in that school system, in, in that school, for all of the children. If they say, oh, we may not have it in the budget, then I want, I'm going to give you something else to come back to them on. Say, well, what are you doing for the most at-risk children? What are you doing for the children that are the lowest per grade, that are academically uh, bottoming out right now? Because I guarantee you, when you look down at it and you, you kind of diagnose, diagnose whatever the cause is, it's going to deal with the child's reading level. If you don't know how to read, then yeah, it's, learning is going to be a problem and it's going to cause the child to act out. So it's really important that schools, that the leaders and that the parents hold leaders accountable, that they, they put a reading program in place. And it's something simple. Um, I'm going to throw out a few tidbits of, of uh, information to share with parents. Um, you can Google fluency reading passages. You know, there, there are free passages out there online that, that are correlated with a child's grade level. Let's say if your child is in grade three, start with a grade three reading passage. And you can pull these down offline again for free. And if that child is struggling, if your child is struggling reading on a third grade level, then go down for a second grade passage. You want them to feel comfortable um, reading that passage and, and making very few mistakes. Um, the next thing, just for principals, is putting an incentive program in place for students. Put a reward students for coming to school because if they're not there, they can't learn. 
So reward them for coming to school and reward them for completing homework because um, the more practice a child does on a particular topic, the better they, they will become. Now, that theory does not apply to my basketball skills. Um, no matter how much I practice, I still haven't gotten any better. But generally, <laughs> it, it does apply to, apply to school learning, okay? And just the last thing for the principals. I'm sorry, go ahead. One, Please. one point here, because one of the things that, what you're suggesting, the things that you, you're coming up with, you're asking teachers to do a lot more than what they are doing now. Now, in the UK, for sure, teachers are already complaining that they're taxed with the amount of kids they've got in the classroom, the amount of things they have to do, marking the programs, marking, marking the work at home. They're already complaining that they're heavily taxed with work, and you're asking them to do more. What do you think, what do you think um, the comments would be? I could look at any teacher, and, and, and I've had conversations with many teachers over the years, and they're saying, this is a lot of work. And, I, and the question I'll come back and say is, do you care about that child? Do you care about that child like that child is your own? And, wow. and if, if you do, then this, this, this amount of work is insignificant to seeing that young student learning to read and getting excited with a smile on their face. You know, they're, they're excited and they're running through the front doors. So <laughs> that's what it's about. But do you care about the children as if they're your own? So you're asking teachers to own the kids. You want them to own the kids as, um, as if they're their child. Just take them and give them big hugs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. But yeah, I, I, I really do. I want them, I want them to, to, to step from behind that, that desk. And I, because one of the most effective characteristics for a teacher, which is what I was going to uh, get to, is that they have the ability to develop relationships with students. The most effective teachers have the ability to develop relationships with students. Um, if you do that, you're, you're going you're gonna to become a superb teacher because those students will jump through hoops to when it deals with learning because they want to impress you, because they want to make you proud. You're their professional mother or father. And, and that's what it's all about. So you, you believe students will respond. You believe they will respond to this kind of approach to teaching? Yes, yes, I, I do. And I can, I can bank 27 years on that and working with hundreds and hundreds of students. Um, just from my past experience, my previous experience, I've only worked at uh, what you would uh, perceive as schools that were at risk, that were extremely uh, low performing. Every school that I've been a part of, um, with a wonderful uh, leadership team around me, we have been able to make those situations better within one year and for those students. So yes, I can I can most definitely bank on what I'm telling you and what wow. I'm sharing with you. This is amazing. This is amazing. You're, 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 you believe in turning schools around, turning around the education system to meet the needs of the kids. I, I don't know where you're joining us from. I'm talking to Dr. Roy Pope at the moment about how to bring systemic change within our education system. As, a, as an educationalist, he believes that we should be serving the needs of, our, of the children. We should have social care programs. We should have reading programs. We should have programs that cater more for the needs of the kids and respond to them. And he's saying, own the kids. Teachers, own the kids. 
Own the kids as if they're your own. And when you own the kids, you want the best for the kids that you're teaching. Now, I'm going to ask another question, but before I go to the next question, just let me go to our sponsor. You are listening to the Message Talk Show and Podcast. Do you believe you have something to share? Do you believe you have something to contribute? Do you have a story to tell the world, to share with your community? Gandhi said, man often becomes what he believes himself to be. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. So join us on the Message Talk Show and Podcast with host Alex Gordon. Let me ask you this question now. How do you think you can bring about these changes? What you're talking about, how you think you can bring them in and what kind of timescales are we talking about? Time frame wise, the changes that I'm looking at that deals with the that connect to the principal, the school leader, the teacher, and the parent um, within a few months, within a few months. And it, by 12 months, there sh- you should see a total dif- difference within the environment of that system. So we're changing the educational system and setting. So only takes a few months to do it. Now, I've got, I've got a question coming from, from, from the public here. And the question says, okay. what inspired you to do the work you do? What inspires you? Because you're, you're certainly driven. <laughs> um, uh, number one, uh, our God up above. Number two, my better half. And, and number three, um, having a, a wonderful mother. Uh, I come from a large family, and my mother, uh, um, blessing her with all praises, she is uh, 85. Um, so one, one thing that she believed in is this, that we were going to all go to school, we were going to all get an education, we were going to all, um, we were going to all epitomize those best things that are out there, uh, that should be out there. We, we weren't going to make the family look bad, we weren't going to make her look bad. So she instilled that work ethic in us, and uh, it just kind of stayed in us. Even to this day, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I can easily get in trouble with her. She'll say, are you doing your job? I'll say, yes, ma'am, I am. Hey, I, I thought that was only happening with Caribbean kids where, where your mum <laughs> don't make me look bad, man. Don't make me look bad. But it, it looks like it's an international thing among black people. Don't make me look bad. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It, it's, it's, it's us too, you know, and all my, you know, we, we I come from an area that's, uh, economically low. So she pushed us to do this. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it kind of, it's kind of funny because it became a competition thing a little bit between me and one or two of my siblings, because I wanted to then get ahead of them a little, little bit. So, <laughs> but it's all out of good competition and, and love, nothing but love. Wow. So the changes you're talking about and the, the implementation within 12 months, you're talking about, you know, making changes within the school system. What do you think the effect will be on your school teachers and administrators, the people currently propping up the system now? What do you think the effect will be on them? I think it'll be a sense of pride. I think, number one, they're going to... uh, Because a lot of school systems, they bank the success of schools on test data, whether it's within country or international. So when those... Everything that I'm just talking about will trickle down to the test data becoming higher. And they're gonna have a sense of pride. And not only is the principal gonna have a sense of pride, the teachers, but the students. Just imagine, students that were at 
underperforming schools. Now their school is deemed successful for the first time ever. And you were a part of that. And they're walking around just saying, hey, Miss so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, look, we did it, we did it. Yes, yes, we did. Believe it and you can achieve it. Right. So I've just had, a, I've had another comment coming from, from, out, from, from the public, and they've said that um, some of the programs you're talking about are already in place. So the question they're asking, are you, say, are you stating that more needs to be done to support the children? Because they're saying that some of those programs are already in place. Yes, I, I know some of the programs are in place and they're, they're scattered and they're fragmented. But you got to have and that's why I, I kind of go back to that school leader. You got to have that school leader that's pushing all of it. Is it are the programs that are in place? Are they being effectively ran? Are they running effectively? Are they you know, you can have something in place for namesake, you know, hey, you know, we, we, we have this reading program. Okay. So show me how that reading program is affecting change. How is it improving the student's reading level? Do you have some data? Is it being implemented effectively? So, yeah, I, I really question the uh, implementation of these systems. And see, that's why everything that I listed, it doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, these things are really simple to do, but we have to make sure that we do them effectively. So... What's happening is the commitment behind the, the, the programs, behind what's there. So sometimes they're implemented, but the heart's not in it. The people implementing it don't really own it. They're ticking the boxes to say, right, we've done that, we've done that. So, if, so they'll, they'll pass an inspection to say it's been implemented, but you can't see the outcomes that's supposed to come from these things because no one's really monitoring the outcome. Is that, is that, is that what you're saying? That is what I'm saying. Half-hearted implementation. So today, we're talking about how to bring systemic change within our education system. What's the long-term effect on our students? Um, the long-term effect is, number one, a sense of pride, like I mentioned earlier. Number ah. two, um, a, a higher level of academic achievement. The higher the academic level of the child, the more successful they will be later on. Uh, you know, if you, and I always go back and throw little tidbits about research out there, but if you look at the, there, there's research out there that talk about um, the success of a child um, by the time they get to grade four in correlation to their reading level, them dropping out of high school, their reading level, um, and the, you know, the incarceration, the, uh, incarceration system that we have, uh, that we have globally. So even reading level is, is a big predictor of that. And so you, you're, you're really causing social change. You're redirecting a child's path and you're giving them hope that I can be somebody, that I can, even though I don't have the fancy this or the best situation at home, that, that I can still, I, there's hope for me, that there's a chance that I can do something with my life. So that's what you're doing. You're causing a social change within that child. Wow. I, I love that statement. I can be somebody. I can be somebody. That's like a, driving a national camp, an international campaign for the younger generation, for the kids who are going through challenges in their lives. I can be somebody. Now, if, <laughs> if somebody walks into a classroom and says, you can be somebody, and here's what you've got to do to be somebody, wouldn't that be amazing? It would be. It really would be. It really, really, truly would be. But again, you have to make sure, remember, the children, 
they, they are as sweet as they can be from whether from pre-K all the way up to grade 12 into college. They are, they're hungry for it, but you're going to have to put the right things in front of them. And then you're going to have to give them some guidance and you're going to have to have little, um, it's like a bumper car. You're going to have to give them a little bump here going this way, a little bump here going that way. But eventually you're going to get it from point A to point Z. The next question I've got coming from outside, and this one asks, is this a global, global scale or just for certain countries? Does everybody benefit from this? Worldwide. The systems, that I'm t the systems that, that we're talking about, they, they cross all cultural barriers. They are, they are applicable in any country, any country. And that's why we selectively picked certain systems that would cause the greatest amount of change. So yes, all, all the countries, all, regardless of your, your cultural background, these systems work. Wow, this is this this amazes me because I'm I'm looking I'm 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 thinking of the British system. I'm thinking of, you know, what I hear about happening in schools. They have Ofsted inspections. They have this inspections. They have this criteria to conform to. And yet, still, despite all of that, kids are slipping through the net. Despite all of that, children are coming out of school unable to read properly. Children are being suspended from school, and when they're suspended from school, they're not, they don't have sufficient support to keep them in the system. It just amazes me that, that in today's 21st century, we haven't got something that's foolproof. Why is yes, that? Yes, exactly. That's, but see, that goes back to the analogy, uh, again, what I was thinking. You have to look at it from two angles. When you talk about all of the inspections and the... Uh, putting this together and these wonderful packets, that falls into this category that I call what we have to do. Okay? So that's that part. But that doesn't reflect, that's not, that, that, that might not necessarily be real learning. Then we have to look at what do we need to do. So there are two sides to this coin that we have to look at. Yeah, you have to address the inspection part. But any, anytime anything comes down um, as a school leader, uh, Myself, I'm always I was always filtering, trying to see, okay, is this something that we have to do, or we, or is this something that we need to do? And when and the needs, those are the things that address the, the children. Uh, they're, they're, you know, it really helps make their situations a lot better. Um, and and the paperwork does sometimes sympathize with educators, uh, being one myself, me and my wife both. But the paperwork does get in the way some, sometimes. But you have to learn to move that to the side and don't get distracted by what's important. If that reading program is important, you focus on that reading program. Make sure that you are taking some time every week or you're putting yourself on a schedule to, to stay behind and push that initiative. Um, if if building up children socially and make sure their social needs are met, then you need to make sure you, 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 that you do that. Uh, previously, as a school leader, I remember where we, our children needed their clothes washed. We went and uh, we went and bought a washing machine and a dryer. We had it in the school so that we could wash their clothes for them uh, while they're in class because we want to make sure that they have that sense of pride. We got to remove all those barriers that hinder a child from learning. And it wasn't a little extra work. It, it, yeah, it was, but I wouldn't take it back for anything in the world because I know my little effort along the way changed some child's, you know, uh, 
trajectory to make them, uh, to put them in a better situation. But you're, you're, asking, you're asking teachers not just to be school teachers now. You're asking them to go far beyond what they're paid to do. Uh, yes, I guess, I guess we are. But if you, if you really talk to educators, educators, everyone, they, they have wonderful hearts. They care about the children, but sometimes we get caught up in trying to get all the, the, the to-dos done, the paperwork. Um, but yeah, I want to encourage them to really keep that to the side and don't let that distract you as a teacher or as a school leader from focusing on the child. Wow. But I don't even want to, I, I, but while we're talking about school leaders and we're talking about teachers, I do want to address some parents out there also because um, um, I want to give them sound strategies that they could look at using at their home with their own child. Right. Because the, the child is in the center. But when you say educational system, you have the principals, you have the school, you have the teachers, and guess what else? You have that parent. So they're all pouring into that child. If, if, all, if, if all those parties, are, if all those stakeholders are pouring into the kids at the same level, then we will see better results. We'll see better outcomes. We will see changes that were, you know, we think, wow, lives are changing, lives are being changed. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and you don't have to wait to have some major national initiative to take place. Um, again, just kind of being uh, talking about uh, connecting to what we were saying in the last show. It just takes one or two persons. Step out, you know, and if you have just a parent and a teacher that are focused on that one child to make that child better, um, to make their situation better, then that's it. Don't, don't wait until you don't need a national global campaign. You're driving hope, man. You're driving hope big time. You're driving hope big time. It reminds me of, of what Obama was accused of as, as a president of the States, that all he spoke about was hope. <laughs> he was accused <laughs> of just driving hope all the time, but you want to drive hope through the education system. You want to drive hope into the life I, of the teachers, into the kids. I do, I do, because I've walked. I've, we've walked that path, me and my wife. We've been teachers. Um, we've been teachers on the high school, middle, elementary level. We've been school leaders. We've worked with children that other people might have uh, 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 shunned. Um, so we, we've, we've been in the trenches. Because we've been in the trenches, we can kind of talk from this, this, this area of, of uh, expertise. And I'm, I'm gonna ask you this question and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring back Dr. Risa to just delve into this question as well. But um, the question I wanna ask okay. you is, with everything that you're doing and everything, as I said, the hope that you're driving, what do you see in the next five to 10 years with driving the stuff that you're talking about? What do you see happening in the next five to 10 years? Well, in the next five or 10 years, hopefully we cause, we cause, a, um, uh, we, 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 we cause a spread. We cause this level of hope uh, to just catch, to catch like fire, that people just come, that they just become so motivated and that they believe and there's some people that have lost hope. So I want to encourage you, don't lose it. Pull it back. We're still here. We're, we're, still, on, we're, we're, still, on, we're still on the field. We're, we're not, we're, just because the ref blew the whistle, we're not walking off the field. <laughs> you sound like a pastor in the school system, man. <laughs> don't, give <up> hope. <laughs> don't give up hope. We're still here. We're still in the trenches with you. We're still pushing with you. 
Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Dr. Risa back on now and ask her the same question. What does she see happening in the next five to ten years? What do you see happening, Dr. Risa? Um, in education in the next five or ten years, I see us looking at um, and reconsidering how we relate to each other um, from inside the education system and to those on the outside, that being community leaders, um, the the parents, the um, administrators that are not in the building, and then learning how to work alongside each other. Um, first of all, we have to, um, I could see us redefining the purpose of education. I mean, at first, that even when we were in school, the purpose of education was to teach us how to do something, be it um, regardless of some type of profession. But now, and in the next five or 10 years, I think we have to prepare students to be able to do anything because we don't know what that thing is. So if you think about it, um, we don't know 80% of the jobs that will be available in 2030. So we can't prepare students per se for those jobs. We have to just teach them how to be creative and how to use their imagination, how to be critical thinkers. Um, some things like that, that machines can't replace, like the um, social interact interaction and the physical dexterity that human bring to um, the workplace or to society. Um, I think we have to, in the next five to 10 years especially, develop the human potential of students. And where students have to learn how to work with each other and work alongside machines instead of being afraid that machines are gonna take their place. Um, I think that um, the, even, you know, when we think about illiteracy, we think about those who cannot read or write but I think the thing now is, and even increasingly so within the next five or 10 years, is the illiterate person will be the person who does not know how to learn, unlearn, and relearn because of this. Um, Sorry, repeat so, that. Say that again. Say that again. Don't know how to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Wow. Learn, you, unlearn, and relearn. That's a skill in itself. Yeah, because you think about. Even when we grew up, you know, you think about the things that we've learned as students and what we've had to unlearn and relearn. Like you were talking about the new gadgets that you have um, for the podcast. You know, as you said, when you began a few years ago, it was different. So you had to unlearn what you knew and then relearn to make, you know, to make the best of it. So I think that um, we have to encourage these students and we have to remember as educators, it goes beyond the quantitative. It goes beyond the test scores and the, the, the bottom line fiscally. I think a lot of times we have that misperception that if our test scores are high, well, our schools are doing well, but that's not necessarily so. Um, because you have you know, students who are coming from these homes where you know, everybody is consumer and work obsessed. So what about the students? They may have, you know, excellent grades and excellent marks, but they are missing that emotional connection um, because, you know, and, and those core values that are all included in a successful person. So I think we have to uh, look at that aspect of it. You know, it's not all about, you know, going to work every day or making a certain amount of money, but we have to look at 
educating the whole child while operating in this digital, you know, revolution that we have going on here. And and say, and as you mentioned, the um, educator training part, um, I think as educators are, um, I think as, sorry for the feedback, <laughs> I think um, education programs, they're going to have to um, remind teachers to let students make mistakes. They have to learn from their mistakes. Whereas before it was either right or wrong, this is the answer, this is the answer that you need to, you know, give me to make sure that you get the, um, you know, get credit or to um, be successful. But I think as educators, and we have to learn to let children fail because if we don't fail, we don't ever learn. So um, as John Dewey said, if we teach, yes, to paraphrase it, if we teach yesterday's, today's students the way we were taught yesterday, we're going to rob them of a successful future. So we have to definitely... If we, if we teach, if we teach today's today students how we were taught yes. yesterday, we're going to rob them of... Yes, if we teach today's students as we were taught yesterday, we will rob them of tomorrow, the future. Wow. Wow, that's yes, powerful. Of students how to be thinkers and I mean I know like um you said that teachers have enough we have enough on our plates and time is always that the scarcest resource when you talk about systemic change but the thing is you have to consider what are you how are you using this time just because I'm checking a lot of boxes does not mean that I'm a effectively and efficiently using my time. So I think we have to maybe consider redirecting the way that we use our time. Wow. And I mean, it's, I think as um, educators, I think if we, um, when it comes to systemic change in the next five or 10 years, we have to recognize like, why do we need it? First of all, what's the cause of it? Why, why do we need it? Like, you know, are we just doing it because, you know, I think educators say a lot, this too shall pass. Because, you know, you think, okay, this is another um, initiative. This is another program. We'll just go with the flow for a few months or a few years and this too shall pass. So, but I think we start, <laughs> I think we start um, just recognizing the cause. Why do we really need systemic change? As Roy and I, we always say, you know, the heart of any education system is the students. Yeah. So we have to say, you know, what do we need to do? And then we make a compelling case. So, okay, this is what we need, but this is why we need it. And I think as people begin to have buy-in about what we're doing or why we're doing um, or trying to cause systemic change or that fundamental transformation, then they'll start thinking, hmm, this not only affects the students in the school, but eventually it'll affect me. And then we have to, um, I say in the next five to 10 years, I know it's not, I would say, um, I think a lot of times we stay within the school when we look at the cause change, but we're gonna have to encourage that communication and collaboration beyond the school. Because, I mean, we have a certain, you know, mindset that we have as, as educators, or we have a certain mindset 
um, or a certain type of um, education that we've had to prepare us to be educators. But many times the best ideas come from those on the outside. So once we learn to communicate and uh, collaborate, then it'll be a shift in culture. And then everyone can work on making a systemic change. But it's a gradual thing. But at the same time, there are things that we can do right now. Yes, it might take five to 10 years, but it's never too early to start. These are the quick wins, yeah? These are, these are the quick wins. Is that correct? These are quick yes, wins yes, yes. you can do straight away. Yes. So as long as we get the quick wins, then everybody will exactly. feel satisfied exactly. because something is happening, something is changing. Oh, Dr. Carissa, man, this is it's amazing talking to you here today. Um, you know, you. you've got so much to give, so much to say about the educational system. And all those years of experience now being packaged under edguru.co. So folks yes. out there, you know, if you haven't heard um, Dr. Pope, Dr. Roy Pope, or you haven't heard Dr. Risa, you need to go to edguru.co and see what they're offering the world. Now, I'm getting from what everything that's been said, the key message here, Dr. Roy, is students, don't give up on your education. Right. Teachers and school teachers, and principals, don't give up on the kids. Don't give right. up. Hang in there. We're coming alongside you. Am I correct? Correct. Yes. Absolutely correct. We we are we're beside you. We're behind you. And if you want us to to run through the door first in front of you, we'll do that too. That's <laughs> that's the spirit that we have. <laughs> you run through the door first. <laughs> yeah, we'll. Yeah, we'll we'll test we'll we'll, we'll test the water first. That's that's what we do. Right. Hey, but remember now, we're gonna say now if we say if we're gonna if we're open, we have a high level intellectual humility. So we might say when we once we run through the door, we don't know. So you might have to come save us. Hey man, time has just disappeared. We've been having so much fun here, man. Look at the time. Hey. You stated this earlier. We're talking to 7 million people across the world now. You know, sometimes this is a prophecy, right? This is prophecy as well, right? But we're talking to 7 million people across the world. Dr. Roy, what is it that you want to say to these 7 million people across the world right now? Believe in the children. Believe that all educators have wonderful hearts. And I want everybody to pour knowledge, to take some of these suggestions that we've had and to pour them into a child. And um, reach out to us. Uh, you know, go to, you can you can Google Ed Guru Edge blog, and that's us. You know, subscribe to our blog. We, we put a lot of good information on our blog site for free. Uh, send us an email, info at, ed, at uh, edguru.co. We want to, we like to interact with people, um, but we're still hungry for it. We still want to make people we want to make situations better. And that's what Edgar is all about. And that's what we believe in. Wow. Wow. Dr. Risa, is there one word that you want to give as well? Now, most times when I, when I ask black speakers to give a word, you know, it, it turns into a paragraph. <laughs> no, no. Paragraph. Not me. Not, it's not like me. a mini no. sermon. But is, is, there okay. a, is, is there something that you want to say to 7 million people out there? I'll take the hint. No, but as Gandhi said, we must be the change that we want to see in the world. The end. <laughs> we want yes. to be the change that we want to see in the world. In the world, yes. So it starts with wow. us. Wow. Wow. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into the message podcast today. We had Dr. Risa, Dr. Carissa Barry Pope with us, and we had Dr. Roy Pope with us today talking about how to bring systemic change within the educational system. And as some of our viewers have pointed out, some of the things that they're talking about are around us, but the point they're making is that sometimes we implement things because we have to. And when we have to do things, we haven't really assessed the needs properly, and we're not catering for the needs. And the message that's given to the kids today is, students, don't give up on your education. Teachers, don't give up on educating the kids. Principals, don't give up on running the schools because edguru.co is alongside you. We're coming alongside you. And they even said, we'll run through the door first. <laughs> I just love that one statement. So, hey, guys, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I want to thank you for your participation. I want to thank you for all your years of experience that you've now brought to bear as entrepreneurs in your sector. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, folks, and I'm tuning out now. Join me next week at 11 o'clock on the Message Talk Show. Don't forget to invite your friends. Don't forget to invite, invite your worst enemies. This is Alice Gordon tuning out. been listening to the message talk show if you believe you have a message if you believe you have a voice and you're passionate about what you do then join us on the message talk show if you'd like to sponsor the message talk show contact us thank you for listening to the message talk show with host alex gordon